Hey, my name is J.D. Larson, one of the pastors at North City Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. I hope this inspires and equips you to love God more deeply and to love your neighbor as yourself. At North City, our mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, and we hope this message emboldens you to do just that in whatever space God has sent you to. Be sure to subscribe and keep in touch with the conversations North City is having. And if you want to find out more about our community, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or online at northcitychurchmpls.com. Enjoy the message. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Uh, I'm JD. I'm one of the pastors. I get to introduce our new series uh, today on Advent. Uh, Each year at North City, we're going to try to join in uh, with uh, sort of the broader church, the historical church, and join in some of some uh, historical rhythms that the church has been on to celebrate seasons of the church calendar, like Advent and uh, Lent will do every year as well, and join in uh, just as a way to acknowledge that we're not the only church that exists out there that God's movement is vast, that his people are diverse, and they've been following him for a long time. So it's kind of cool to enter, enter into this ancient uh, practice of uh, anticipation. Uh, uh, Advent means, uh, its meaning is arrival or coming. So this uh, series we're calling Waiting Well. We're talking about what it means uh, to wait well. Uh, I hope uh, you can join us at the, the winter getaway and for the Christmas Eve service. It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a short, brief Christmas Eve service. I know you all got your, your potlucks and your, your Christmas things to get to, so we'll be brief but meaningful with it. Uh, and it'll be really cool to make this space sacred on that day, uh, which we love to do. So before I jump into the rest of the sermon this morning, let's pray and welcome God into what we're about to do next and welcome him uh, to speak to us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, we love you. We love this school. We, we are so excited about what you're doing in this community that you've brought us into relationship uh, with the school. And it's just amazing week after week to hear the things that you're doing in the school and uh, the, the little brains that you're transforming, the, the, the little bodies that you're growing up uh, in your image, God. And so we pray for each and every one of them as they anticipate uh, school getting off and uh, having fun at home. Uh, God, would you give them a sense of anticipation? Would you give them hope? Would you give them safety uh, this month uh, as they uh, transition to a different way of being for a little while? And would you bless the administration as they're hard at work and as they anticipate uh, anticipate a much needed break uh, coming up? We love you, um, and we thank you for your leadership of this community and this church. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the thing about preaching. Uh, When you decide to preach about a thing, you get a heightened awareness about how bad you are at it. (laughs) So uh, when we introduced this series called Waiting Well, uh, a couple weeks ago in conversation, I was like, Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. And then the preceding weeks, I realized just how impatient of a person I am. So a couple examples from my life. Uh, My truck uh, broke down, and I had to take it to a dealership, which is a different mechanic than I normally do. So it was a new experience for me. And I took it in with an appointment at 8.15. So I left it there for the day, and I called around 2 p.m. I'm like, I haven't heard from you guys yet. What's up? And they're like, oh, sorry, we haven't even got to it yet. I'm like, 
okay. <laughs> I could feel it boiling up in me, uh, feeling the tension, the anxiety starting to rise. And this is their own fault. For convenience sake, they have this texting service that you can text with the, the auto mechanic or the person like handling your car, which I think is a horrible idea because it's way more easy to be passive aggressive on text and to be impatient on texts. So uh, I think a day and a half later when my truck wasn't done yet on a simple thing that needed to be done, uh, the, the text got pretty passive aggressive. And I, 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 I thought about showing you the texting stream, but that maybe is a little too much vulnerability for, uh, I know you guys are used to a lot of vulnerability for me, but a little too much. And I know I'm not the only one in this, like I still am like scratching my head and pacing if my Amazon order doesn't come in two days, you know. <laughs> So there's a little bit of a modern waiting problem we have. And uh, I, I came into this week going, you know, we're, we're particularly not good at waiting. And then I remembered Black Friday, and I remember that there's droves of people who apparently stake out in front of stores and wait a really, really long time. So I feel like America did a pump fake, and we're like, we're really good at waiting until they get into the store. And then it's like the next movie of the Hunger Games trying to get what they want on. I, I, I uh, most of the time have been doing other things during Black Friday, but I've experienced it once, and that was good enough for me. Felt like if I do it again, I'm going to need some sort of ankle uh, padding or something for carts getting shoved into the back of me. These are trivial examples, really, but uh, waiting is an essential part of our lives as Christians and as people. As I was reflecting on this uh, series, Waiting Well, I was reflecting on how much of my life I feel like I've chosen to spend anxiously waiting for the next thing. So I remember in high school, just couldn't wait to drive. Uh, and then towards the end of high school, senioritis, couldn't wait to get out of there. You know, and then when I got to college, I couldn't wait for it to be over or couldn't wait for particular classes to be over. And then when I got done with college and then I felt like God was calling me to do uh, more schooling, which I protested initially for sure, uh, as soon as I started that, there was a waiting. There was an anxious longing for things to come, the next thing to arrive, to be married, to whatever the next hurdle in life. And I think as I was reflecting on that, if we're not careful as people, we'll miss what God has for us in the waiting. We can miss what God has for us in the waiting. And that's what this series is about. When we're talking about waiting well, we're trying to have a discussion about, hey, all of us wait. All of us are longing for things in our life, different things, waiting for things to arrive. And in this season, as, as Christians throughout time have anticipated, have remembered what it was like for the people of God to wait for Jesus' arrival, and remember again what it looks like for us to wait for God's dreams to come fully true in our world today, we, we realize that waiting matters, that God has something for us in the waiting. There's something for us to pursue. In a word, maybe, we could say there's patience to be pursued in the waiting. Uh, I was reading an article where uh, a psychologist said, we uh, shy away from patience, but there's tremendous power in patience. And I think something that I hope for you to discover today and for the rest of these sermons is the power of patience. I hope that our community can receive from God a, a fresh courage and empowering from him to be, 
to practice the virtue of patience in our lives as we anticipate his making things come true that we know that he desires in the world and things that we long for ourselves. So a, a question as we go in and move forward to the scripture and ask what it is to wait well for you to ponder this morning is what are you waiting for? What is it that comes on your heart when, I, when you think of longing and waiting? What is it that uh, maybe God has put on your heart or that's got your attention, uh, that keeps you up at night, something in your life that you're waiting for? Maybe it's retirement. Maybe uh, you've been longing for uh, growth in your family. Maybe you've been longing for a spouse. Maybe you've been longing just to get out of high school. What is it that, uh, where waiting exists in your life? This morning, I kind of want to go to an unconventional space. I guess in Scripture, when we're talking about Christmas, I want to go to the Old Testament. I want to go way back. I want to go to the book of Isaiah. Now, the book of Isaiah is this uh, massive book that's written over hundreds of years, really two hundreds of years of people. And this book is, uh, in some sense, about waiting. And instead of me trying to spend the rest of my time giving you a preface to Isaiah, there's this wonderful thing called the Bible Project that has produced this really short, I shouldn't say really short, uh, you'll have to wait eight minutes and 30 seconds for it to be over. Um, It's this eight-minute video that encapsulates the context of what Isaiah is. And I put it on our Facebook page. We have a Facebook page at North City Church called Facebook Online for the people of North City to have some extra content. So if something sparks your interest today and you want a little more context on what the book of Isaiah is, there's this wonderful video I posted on there for a little more context. But let me give you the need-to-knows for Isaiah as far as it uh, concerns for what we're doing today. So I would describe Isaiah in relation to the Christmas story as a prequel, if you will. If you read the Gospels, if you read the story of Jesus, there is so much Isaiah in it. So I've been watching this show called The Mandalorian, which is a Star Wars show. And in this show, and all the Star Wars nerds are nodding, I see you, Uh, In this show, there's all these little intimations and references to other Star Wars stories. And some of the things are coming true that were alluded to back before. And now Star Wars fans are anticipating the last uh, movie in the Star Wars sequel. And they're sure that some things that are undone in that story will come true in this story or maybe done in this story. The Gospels make true things that aren't completely fulfilled in Isaiah come true. So it's like the prequel to the Gospels in some ways, and there's echoes to the words of Isaiah all over the place. You may recognize some things like the phrase Emmanuel that we just sang about, God with us. That's an Isaiah phrase that Jesus uses. You may uh, 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 remember the reference um, on the cross where he says, no, that's from Psalms, where um, it says that By his wounds we are healed. You've heard that phrase before. That comes from Isaiah as well. So Jesus is almost living out and embodying Isaiah's story in itself. So what's the story of Isaiah? Here you have the people of God who've been following God for a long time, who have gone through this litany of horrible kings who are not leading them well. And there's mass corruption going on in Isaiah's day, who's a prophet who's received this word to give to these people of Israel who are desperately waiting for God to act in their circumstance. Not only is there domestic issues, but there's geopolitical issues where they're feeling pinched economically 
and uh, uh, politically from other rivaling kingdoms around them. And actually, the book of Isaiah spans both the, some rises and falls uh, uh, of the people of Isaiah or the people of Israel itself through the Babylonian Empire, which we talked about last series. So there is a lot of stuff going on, but needless to say, these people are groaning for what God has promised them to come true. They're groaning for restoration. They're groaning for salvation. And Isaiah has two primary communications to them. Mostly, he has judgments, which in, his, uh, in the way of understanding that is God just saying what's true about what's broken about what they're experiencing right now. And then he has hope. He communicates hope to them in the form of this servant king that will come that he names Emmanuel, which eventually we learn is Jesus, and in this phrase, New Jerusalem. So he's talking about a new way of being, a new city, a new uh, reality that they would experience on the streets. And that reality is one that God dreams of, where there's peace, where there's wholeness, where this idea of shalom that we just discussed in the last series comes fully true. So that's all that they're hoping for. They're experiencing a lot of longing for God's true leadership to come true. So that was a big preface. But let's jump into it. We're going to look at uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. And this is like playing you a 20-second clip of a three-hour movie. But I think there's something in it for us today. Verse 1. The word of Isaiah, the son of Amos, Amos saw, uh, son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come... The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that, we may, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord for Jerusalem. He shall judge between nations and shall uh, uh, arbitrate for many peoples. Now listen to this. They shall beat their swords. Now the people of Israel have seen some swords come against them. They will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up swords against nations. Neither shall they uh, learn war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob. And here's the thing I want to focus on this morning. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. So one of Isaiah's communications to these people who are longing for God's justice to come true, for God's leadership to come back, for peace to come in their context, in their time, is that one day... He's articulating the hope that they might have, that Jerusalem will be like this mountain that all nations come to, to learn the true way to live, to learn the, the true hope that exists in God. And not only that, there will be no more war, no more strife, and these, will pe- these are people who knew those things intimately. But God will turn their swords into things that make gardens. That's what they're hoping for. So I love this passage, and this is in what's called the lectionary. So this is a text that churches all over the world are reading today with us. And what I love is it's such a vivid picture of what we just talked about, about shalom coming true, God making the wrong things right, bringing justice 
in our lives. And Isaiah is saying, in that context, this is what we need to hope for. This is what we need to long for. And how we need to hope for it, in that last line, he says we need to walk in the light of God. So his primary communication to people who have this longing, people who are waiting, when he's talking to them about how to wait well, the message he has for them is to pursue hope. Pursue hope. And the metaphor he uses for pursuing hope is this idea of light. And initially I'm like, oh, cute, uh, cute, Uh, oh, cool, that's, light is such an awesome thing to talk about. Like, we were like candles at Christmas time, it's a great aesthetic tool, our lights are kind of freaking out today, we don't really know why that one's on, so they're a little bit mysterious, Uh, so cool. But that's a little off, when I dug into what light means for these people here, this is a reference to the pillar of fire that these people followed out of slavery and into the promised land. This is a reminder to the people of God to focus on God's leadership in the midst of the waiting. What it meant for them to hope is to seek God's leadership in their everyday life. And these are people who really needed to hear this message because the leaders they were looking to, the sources of authority they were looking to in their life, whether domestically or uh, from the outside, were not producing a lot of hope for them, but only despair. And this is Isaiah's fresh reminder, and I think it can be a reminder for us in our longing, in our waiting, we need to look to that pillar of fire that is God's presence with us every day to lead us through the wilderness. The people of God were in the midst of this wilderness where they haven't yet arrived in what God had promised for them. So you might be listening to this and be like, that is something maybe Max Lucado would write about and sounds really awesome. If you don't know Max Lucado, you don't need to. He's just a like, brilliant Christian writer that makes you feel really good and say, okay, what did I actually learn? That was awesome, but what did I actually learn? <laughs> I want to introduce something uh, to you to get, maybe get some teeth to the word hope. Because when I think of hope, uh, it, it's a little nebulous. Like we, 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 we write it on Christmas cards, but what does it actually mean for everyday life? And there's actually a lot of psych. Uh, psychology and study around hope and its power in people's life. There's a whole stream of psychology called hope theory that was developed by uh, a man named uh, Carl Sider. And he developed the hope theory. And basically what they did is they, they studied college students and tried to identify the traits of hope that existed in their life. And they defined those in two things. They had both the will and the way. They had the both will, the determination, and the clarity of desire to complete the task, and they had clarity on what was promised for them, what they were pursuing, and the ways to do it. They had confidence about the ways in which they would pursue that thing coming true. And they did this test where they measured uh, how confident they felt in those two things, and then they measured SAT scores and a couple other things, uh, uh, factors of academic success. And what they found through these college students' history was that hope, that particular thing, the will and the ways that they articulated they had, was the most determining factor of their success in, in the academic career. Not SAT scores, not other traditional metrics we might use for them succeeding in their goal. It was them having the will and the determination and the ways to actually do that. Now, that's like we might say a secular example or an example from psychology, but I want us to just think about that in our faith. 
Obviously, that's absent from God. And as Christians, uh, God informs our desires. God informs our way. At North City, we say our mission is to love our community or love our neighbors in the way of Jesus. So to be a Christian is to pursue God's leadership in our desires and the way we're trying to live. And that's what Isaiah is appealing to these people. It's not just some wishful thinking like, please wish that God would act, even though that's essential to hope. It's not the end of hope. It's trusting in God for everyday life. So I asked you at the beginning, what are you waiting for? Maybe another way to get at the answer to that question is, what are you hoping for? What hope exists in your life? As I was thinking about this and trying to answer this question for my own life, like I don't often stop and wonder what I'm hoping for. I don't stop and clarify what my desires are. I feel like so much of life I'm just getting pulled along by the desires that I should be having instead of the desires that God's putting in my heart. So I think a practice of pursuing hope for us this Christmas season is trying to create some space with you and God and sit down and say, God, what is it you want me to hope for? What is it in what I'm waiting for that I am hopeful for? Great example of this would be if you're um, waiting on a spouse or something like that. If you're waiting on a, a partner and that's something you really long for, it can be easy to talk about and for the, the world to fill in messages what that expectation should look like for us. And we can develop a hope and desires that's defined by messages outside of ourselves instead of refining what it is we actually hope for. And by, by doing that, we might come to learn that what we hope for is companionship. What we hope for is to not be lonely anymore. And those are things that can be pursued in the now when the spouse isn't here yet. Do you understand? Do you see where I'm going? When we pursue hope, when we let God clarify what our hopes are, there is actionable things to do in the now. There's things to be experienced in the now. In addition to that, uh, I think oftentimes in our life, we just have the desire part. We have a lot of desires, but we don't have actionable ways of pursuing that. And I realize with God, we have to have tremendous faith that he will make a way clear to us, but we still have to step into the way. We still have to step into the way in faith. And I think there's a shortcoming to over-spiritualize it in some sense where we can just say, I'm hoping for this to occur. And if you ask like two questions about how someone is actually hoping for that thing to occur, there's really no answers. There's really no way that's been revealed. So I think that they, we can fall into two ditches, if you will. We can just have desires themselves without a way, and we can have a way itself without desires. I think much of life can be lived without really clarifying what you hope for. You can go through life and just do the best uh, things. You can read the best self-help books you can think about the best way to wake up in the morning, the best morning routines to make you happy. But if there's no clarifications of what God's desires in your heart are, those ways are somewhat frivolous. They lead to just more pursuit of ways. So we as a community need to both clarify what it is we hope for and pursue uh, that by uh, the leadership of God. So in... in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, there's this verse that says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and trusting in what we do not see. 
And I think that encapsulates what I'm saying. Faith itself, taking a step, believing in God himself is both being sure of what we hope for, having the clarifying conversations with God, and then taking intentional steps, seeking God's presence in our everyday life and direction for an actual way to act on those desires. So one of my favorite uh, speakers these days is uh, Carlos Whitaker, super funny guy. If you just Google Carlos Whitaker, he's hilarious to listen to. He's got some awesome stories. He, he, he uh, calls himself a hope dealer, a hope slinger, uh, which I think is pretty hilarious. But um, he made a pivot in his career uh, a few years ago where he was a, a, a well-known worship leader, award-winning um, musician, and he felt like God was saying to him and other people were saying to him in his conversations with God when he was clarifying his own desires uh, because he had come up to a season where he wasn't getting life out of the thing he was good at anymore. He was feeling empty inside. And he had conversations with God and people he trusted, and w- the desire that emerged was to communicate, was to speak to be a speaker of God's word and to pivot his career away from worship leading, away from music, into public speaking. And he said he listened uh, to God in his prayers and he felt like God was saying to him, you just need to stop. You need to cancel all of your music gigs for the year, which were his source of employment. And Carlos gives this preface. He's like, I am not giving career change advice in doing this, but this is what the Lord led him to do. So he canceled all of his music gigs. And in that, though, he felt like God was saying to communicate to those people, I'm going to pivot and do communication now. So if you want me to come to your conferences and speak, if you know anyone who has to speak, there was still some faith action towards that. And he had people in his life who were behind him and uh, were okay with or like advising him in his plan. And 13 days he waited without any income coming in the future, without any real runway uh, for doing this. 13 days he waited. And he said the day he went to go apply at Starbucks and Home Depot, he got this email in his inbox and it said from the White House. And he, de- he deleted it immediately. He's like, yeah, this is not legit. And uh, his producer called him like five minutes later and said, did you get the email from the White House? He's like, yeah, I deleted it right away. He's like, they know you deleted it. He's like, that was the White House and they, they somehow know I deleted it? Anyway, so he undeleted it, obviously, uh, and saw that he got a personal invitation from President Obama to come and lead uh, some sort of event they were having at the White House. I can't remember if it's a prayer breakfast or something. And it was primarily to speak. And that was his first gig. So he has these 13 days of waiting, 13 days of only holding on to hope. But how Carlos chose to hold on to that hope was not just wishful thinking. He had confidence in what he heard from the Lord. And he put his plan into action in spreading the word out there. And it was scary. The waiting was hard. But in order for him to wait well, he pursued hope in the midst of that. Now, not every, I'm not standing up here and saying every story of what you hope for is going to unfold like that. But I think it demonstrates what faith looks like in pursuing hope in our everyday life. So in this Advent season, when we're asking, what is it we long for? What is it we hope for? Jesus is a reminder to us that he's giving us a way, a living hope, Scripture says. In, in Peter, it talks about what a gift we've been given. 
welcomed into God's family through Jesus' sacrifice, and he calls Jesus a living hope. I love that expression because it captures both the pursuit of desires and an actionable hope in that we listen to what God desires for us and trusting that that's the best desire that we can have. And we live into God's presence, leaning on him for actions everyday life in everyday life to pursue that. And Jesus is our living hope. He's given us access to the Father. No matter what mistakes we've made, Jesus has given us access to that intimate pillar of fire everyday life relationship with God. So what does it look like for you to pursue hope? What does it look like for you to clarify your desires, to take time to do that, to have conversations with trusted friends about the actions God's leading you to take in that direction? I'm going to invite the band to come up and let's pray. They're going to lead us in a song called Living Hope. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have placed, because we're your children, because we're made in your image, hopes and desires. God, maybe someone there is in this room who the concept of pursuing you to clarify those desires is absolutely new to them. This whole Jesus thing is absolutely new. And maybe they've had a story in their life of just dashed hopes of despair. And maybe this is maybe just them reaching out for something new. God, I pray with confidence knowing that you're our living hope that you would reveal yourself to them. God, thank you that you've welcomed us in your family that you've welcomed us in relationship with you, and you can be our living hope. You can show us the way of Jesus, the better way. God, would you do that in this season as we are anticipating your arrival? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Christian Ann of North City Church. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. We hope you feel more empowered to love your neighbors in the way of Jesus. If you have thoughts or questions, we would love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message on our website, northcitychurchmpls.com backslash sermons. Learn more about the North City community there as well. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. A special thanks goes out to Ben Noble for the music on this podcast. If you haven't heard Ben Noble's music yet, check it out at bennoblemusic.com. Let me send you into your day with this blessing. May God give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear all that God is doing in the world around you. And may he give you the courage to respond. Amen.